We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the book of Acts Church, and in doing so, we discover how the early church served the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We follow the red-letter basics, and in doing so, find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect, that the fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. If you need to contact us there, you can go to onsolomonsporch.org, use the contact button, or you could go to firefalltalkradio.com and reach out to us as well. If you have questions or needs or whatever you need, we will answer. We'll do the best that we can. You can also find the ways to support us there. You go to the bottom of firefalltalkradio.com, you'll find a button for a PayPal donation. And if you want to do it another way, we have the Venmo app for at Firefall Media Group. It's easier, more user-friendly, and less fees, so we get more of the money. We appreciate your support. It goes directly into Firefall Talk Radio, Firefall Media Group, and anything that we support. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site of Firefall Talk Radio. This is the main place to hear our podcast and to download them. You can also hear us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We never got a response from Google Podcasts, but we're still working on it, trying to spread the word, trying to get it out there. Make sure you download and share it and let people know what we're doing. Welcome to all of you. Part two of the Overwatch series, The Bandwidth of the Beast, has aired Stay subscribed as we follow the road of 5G and how it plays into the end times. 
Overwatch is keeping you updated on things that matter. You can go to us on Facebook.com for Overwatch. It's Facebook.com forward slash Supernatural Response Team. We've converted that page into an SRT Overwatch info page where we post prophecy, we post news stories. We keep you aware and alert as to everything going on, like the COVID-19 pandemic and the response to it. We believe that it has has exposed the plans and schemes of the enemy and those that serve them. It's revealed the hearts of the people. Things hidden in the shadows have been revealed. We've learned who knows fear and who knows faith. We've also seen that Orwell was right. He was just off by a few decades. In watching it and discerning what's going on, we believe that relief and release is coming and kingdom of God plans will be fulfilled. So stay prayed up, stay praised up, and keep your faith in him, not in man. As always, we start with praise reports and prayer requests. I praise the Lord for my home, for my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids, and everything that we have, it all comes from him. I praise him for his protection, his Psalm 91 covering, which is always in effect. For the dreams and the visions and the healing virtues that are still available to us, he is speaking to us if we're listening. I praise him to be able to praise him, to communicate with him, to spend time with him. I praise him for his divine favor, his divine abiding favor. That's what he wants us to have and the revelation that comes from it. Intimacy brings revelation. Intimacy brings you to a place where you hear him more clearly and understand him better. I praise him for being a new creation and living in these prophetic times, being groomed and prepared for it. I praise him for America. Do we have our problems? Absolutely. But... I wouldn't want to live any other place. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we're here. I'm thankful that we can continue to do this without fear of reprisal. I'm thankful for the signs that he's giving us that he's ready to return. So let's get ready. Well, we go to prayer now. We pray for the Middle East. Pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you each and every day. I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for its leaders. I pray for our leaders, America and its leaders and its citizens at this time of tribulation and testing and of everything that's going on. Am I happy with all of the decisions being made? No, but the only person I trust sits on a throne in heaven. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. I stand for them and I stand in the gap With them and nothing, nothing goes past our father's eyes. He sees what's happening to the fathers, to the widows, to the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, to all the victims of injustice. He hates injustice and the slaughter of the innocents and what man and their laws have done has been going on since the beginning of time. I pray for missing and exploited children, for the victims of sex trafficking, 
for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, for our Jewish brothers and sisters being persecuted and the anti-Semitism that torments them, that spirit of the Antichrist, which John told us about in 1 John 4, 3, it's here. It's been in the world, and it's preparing for its coming out party. But I got news for that spirit. There are many of us that are already taking a stand, and we're digging our heels in. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. Healing for my wife, Deb, and the restoration of her body. And all of you that are dealing with injuries or illnesses, whether it's mind, body, soul, spirit, heart, whatever it is, I pray that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, would heal you, would touch you right now. I pray for divine protection, for inspiration. I pray for the remnant to wake up. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said it before, but I'm going to double down on it. I do not believe the church is going to wake up. I do not believe that the mainstream traditional church is going to wake up. But I believe that the remnant is awakening. I believe that they're getting ready. I believe that they're preparing. So wake up. Wake them up. If you know somebody you believe is remnant ready, tell them to wake up, to rise up, answer the call to action. If they've been blessed, then they need to be a blessing. This ministry has needs. We, we need to get that documentary done as soon as this lockdown is over. We need to get it out there. We need to shake the kingdom of darkness. SRT, fire, fall, the porch. We're going to become highly mobile once we're cleared. And I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, the windows of blessings are opening to fund the dreams and the visions and the missions. Continue to pray for divine favor and the conclusion of legal matters and adversity our family's been going through. And, of course, we always, always, always pray for our lost family members to find their way into the Lamb's Book of Life. Woody in Central Florida has got two um, prayer requests. New test test results have shown that his mother-in-law does need chemotherapy. So he's asking for prayer to lift her spirit up and that the new treatment, whatever plan they put her on, will completely remove the cancer, and even better is asking for a miracle for God's glory. He also visited a dermatologist and had a biopsy done on a mole in in his back. He's praying it's not cancer, and he's asking us to pray for him, and he says, thank you for your support, Porch family. Kim and Fort Mitchell, I hope you guys are doing well. We're doing well over here. I woke up sober this morning with God on my mind, knowing who saved my soul. COVID-19 is not going to change that. COVID-19 doesn't have the power. She says, sorry, I had to throw that in there. I want to thank my Father in Heaven for not having a spirit of fear, but of power and a sound mind. I choose not to participate in this circus anymore. I praise God for his protection, this ministry, and all he provides for us. Father, keep us safe and sane in this madness. Praying for my friends Stacy and the Porch families. Protect our spirits and minds, keep our bodies strong, save the souls of our loved ones, and help us see the role we might play in it. Protect my mother, my husband, my brother, and his family. Deliver my children as well as myself from whatever is not of you, Lord. Provide in this time of need, Father, and allow for our trip to happen without problems in Jesus' name. 
Now, Lord, you know you know all these things. You require that we come to you, that we bring them to you, that we present them to you so that we, we do that now. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, Lord, and we lay them all at your feet. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise, for there is none like you. We ask right now that all the distractions of this world, that you would clear our minds, that we would have the minds of Messiah, and that we would cast down any vain imagination that would exalt itself above the, the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, over the knowledge of you, over the knowledge of your word. We ask you to just clear the static. Holy Spirit, just envelop us so that we can receive what needs to be received. But let us never forget the price that you paid on the cross, the shedding of your blood, the dying, the resurrection, ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power, and you've allowed us to sit with you in the heavenly places. So we come into that position with you. We want to walk in this, Lord. We want to walk in the eternal paths. We want to walk in the fullness of your blessings, of your power, and we want to walk in the fullness of the calling of the Great Commission. So bless this time, protect us, the technology, and Holy Spirit, have your way. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. The awakened remnant was still talking about it. And after 16 weeks, it's the 17th week. As I was working on it today, I was starting to get it. I was starting to understand what the Lord was doing, precept upon precept, line upon line. He was building something like the building of a building, foundation, walls, doorways. He was getting us ready to walk in this. You're awake. You're aware. You, you have been enlightened. You are alerted. You're stirred up. You're walking dressed for success in the armor of God. You've understood or come to understand the, the purpose of persistent prayer. Now what? Now what? Will you walk it out? That's what this is all about, to begin to walk it out to begin to take it into the world, take it into the marketplace, take it to our families, take it every place we go. And it's been there in the Word. That's what the disciples were doing. They were preparing the church to do its job. They were preparing the church, the people, 
to take the Great Commission out into the world. Hebrews 12, starting with verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You have to keep going. You have to run with endurance. Isaiah 40, verse 3, But those who wait on the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Amplified of verse 31. But for those who wait for the Lord, who expect, who look for, who hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Storms don't frighten eagles. Storms are an opportunity to fly high. They just wait for that moment on their perch and they lean into the storm, spread their wings, and glide to the top of it. We're in a storm right now. It's a storm made by man. It's a storm inspired by Hasatan. We've been let down by our human leaders. We've been let down by some of our religious leaders who are blind to what is really going on, both naturally and spiritually. But no matter what, to keep going, you need to stay on the path that's been laid out before you. You need to understand that path. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 6 starting with verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old path where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore hear, you nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words nor my law, but rejected it. The Amplified of Jeremiah six, sixteen and 17 says, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the eternal paths where the good old way is, and then walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, hear and obey the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen or obey. The eternal paths are paths created for a people of an eternal God. And when we choose not to walk that path, 
we become a people of the world and are subject to the things of the world. The old paths refer to the Sinai Covenant, the book of Deuteronomy, because Jeremiah is talking to a people from that time who stubbornly refused to walk uprightly, righteously, and in doing so found no rest. They refused to listen to the warning sound of the shofar, the trumpet. They even denied that any danger even existed. As I worked on this today, I saw the church of today. I saw America. I saw this pandemic as being God's wake-up call, that he has allowed it to happen, to shake people and to reveal things and to open people's eyes. And you know what is so sad? I don't see a lot of people with their eyes open. I see some, but I see a lot of sheeple. A lot of sheeple just, bah, bah, tell me what to do, bah. No, no. Jeremiah had a very difficult task in his day. His divine assignment was to admonish the people of ancient Judah to return to the Lord from whom they had wandered. The nation was was languishing under the threat of impending punishment of Babylonian captivity, and repentance was its only hope. He was telling them there's a sinister force threatening Jerusalem because of her wickedness, hoping that she would receive the instructions from the Lord, that she would receive correction. For thus says the Lord of hosts, this is up in Jeremiah 6, 6 through 8, cut down trees and build a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. As a fountain wells up with water, so she wells up with her wickedness, violence, and plundering are heard in her. Before me continually are griefs and wounds. Be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. What he was saying is, cut down the trees and build up a siege mound. A siege mound allows the enemy to get past the walls of protection. The trees and the earth build up this high mound that's so high, they just walk right over the walls into a city that that was once fortified, but is now easy pickings. Because once that enemy raises a mound against the wall, it just walks right in and takes the city. I don't have time to go into it all. But as I worked on this, I began to see America. I began to see his church have allowed things to be built higher than the walls. They've allowed the protection to come down. They've allowed the sin, the greed, uh, the things that were never supposed to be, take it over. And so few people even see it. You try to tell them. You try to point it out to them. You try to get them, don't you see what's happening? And they just look at you with dull eyes. The Lord was orchestrating the attack by the Babylonians. The invading army was constructing battering ramps to break through the walls and the the ramps to come over the walls. And he was letting it happen. Why? 
because they had refused to walk his eternal path. And in doing so, the enemy was allowed to have its way. Well, guess what? That happens to us too. When we refuse to walk his path, when we refuse to walk in the path of righteousness, then the enemy gets us. Let me tell you why Jerusalem was destroyed. And as I'm saying Jerusalem, I want you to think America. Jerusalem was completely given over to the oppression of the poor and the helpless. It had been creating and spewing out wickedness like a fountain casting out water. It was full of violence and spoil, rottenness. The word of God was a reproach and a rebuke to the people. They didn't want to hear it. They had no delight in it. All of its men, all of its leaders were given to covetousness and greed. The prophets and the priests were dealing falsely falsely for selfishness and unrighteousness. They were leading the people to rely on religion, religious reforms, and not on a change of the heart, and definitely not on the Holy Spirit. They had become hardened and unashamed in their sinfulness. They had rebelled against walking after the heart of God. They had refused to hear or even change their lives in view of impending judgment. They have rejected his law. Hypocrisy was rampant. Stubbornness, rebellion, slander, hard-heartedness, wickedness, reprobate natures. Now you can say, well, but, but what does that have to do with us, Richard? The church had a responsibility just like the religious leader did in Israel, to show the right way, to walk the right way. We have the responsibility to be the examples. Even though the the dog and pony show and the smoke and the mirrors and the lights, we don't have to go along with it. We can say, no, that's not my father. That's not the gospel. We've allowed wickedness to happen by turning a blind eye to it and not telling people to repent, not approaching them in love and pointing out their sin and their nakedness. That's what happened in Israel. They were rotten from the inside out. And what was gushing out of them was nasty, foul, stinking, smelling, corrupt waters. That's America today. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You're going to tell me about who's in the White House, and you're going to tell me all these other things. But if you're not awakening to the fact that it doesn't matter who's in that house, it only matters who's on the throne. And what I'm seeing, and what I'm seeing happening so quickly in 2020, and others should be too, is that man is compromised. Man goes along to get along, and God's ways are rejected. Matthew 7, verse 20 through 23, the red letter basics, Lord speaking, what comes out of a man that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, 
covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these things come with from within and defile a man. And this disciplinary force that God was allowing to assault Judah was going to harvest it like a crop of grapes. And what's amazing is that the false prophets were rejecting what Jeremiah was saying. They were saying that peace would prevail. No destruction, no judgment. You're a, you're a prophet of doom, Richard. That's not what the Lord is saying. Yes, it is. And I'll stand on it. Jeremiah 6, verse 9, Thus says the Lord of hosts, They shall thoroughly glean as a vine the remnant of Israel. As a grape gatherer, put your hand back into the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of the young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with his wife, the aged with him who is full of days. And their houses shall be turned over to others, fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They've also healed the herd of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed their abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall amongst those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. At that time the Babylonian invaders were about to destroy Israel and pick it clean like harvesting a vineyard. Well, when the fallen and their offspring get out of the pit together with the the ones that are walking the earth, they will look to glean the Lord's vineyard. Will anyone stand against them? Well, I know I will. I know a couple of other people that will, with sword in hand, both natural and supernatural. We will take a stand. And I'm pretty sure that being the cowards that they are, they'll just go to places where no one's guarding it. But when there's no spirit or spirit-filled watchmen around after the rapture, they're going to gorge themselves. God's problem here was to get someone in Judah to listen to him, to avert judgment, to repent. All day long, as the Lord has shown me this, my eyes have been opened and I've seen it clearly. I've begun to pray. I've begun to pray for this nation, pray for its leaders, begun to pray for us. Lord, turn us loose, fund us, give us the ability to go do what we need to do before the full onslaught of the enemy begins to attack the vineyard. Help us to prepare safe havens and sanctuaries and places where the enemy cannot get. Help us to fill up the storehouses and be ready. We've already been told that the next pandemic, are you listening? The leaders of this world and leaders of the 
uh, biopharma industry and the people that promote it and the vaccine makers and the phony politicians and phony doctors with other people's hands in their pockets are telling us the next one's going to be even worse. I'm going to tell you right now, write it down, put a date on it. We have a three-year window between this one and the next one. And the next one will be the one that they're going to try to usher in the Antichrist with. What we are seeing is a foreshadowing, a dry run. And I think what they're seeing is how easy it was. The uncircumcised ears didn't want to hear the warning. They didn't want to repent. They didn't want to respond to what God's saying to his children and to his church. Matthew 13, starting with verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But that's not you. You're awake. You're alert. You've been awakened by the Word, by the Spirit, by what we've been talking about for 17 weeks now. You're not asleep. You're not going to be caught off guard. And it's your job through love and patience and the Word and the Holy Spirit, to begin to awaken others. Israel could not see it, and they would not see it, and they would not understand. And because of that, they were condemned by their own sin. People that reject the Word and those that speak it bring conviction and condemnation upon themselves. How do I know that? The Lord says so in John chapter 3, starting verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they've been done in God." Even without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the prophet Jeremiah was full of God's fury by the Holy Spirit, by the external anointing. And he was weary of holding the message of God back. It was in his bosom and it was coming out. Jeremiah's emotions reveal his identification with God's emotional feelings for Judah. The prophet was both angry and weary with an entire nation, from the youngest of the children to the oldest of the aged men. 
But here's something we must understand. Fury and indignation must be balanced by compassion and fervor. We must walk in the path of compassion and not judgment. The Lord judges, we intercede. See, that's the difference between now and then. We've been called to a ministry of reconciliation, of intercession. What is intercession? Well, according to the Holman Bible Dictionary, it is the act of intervening or mediating between different parties, particularly the act of praying to God on behalf of another person. That's what I've been doing all day. I've been praying for eyes to be awakened, people that know better, to do better, to begin to take a stand and say, no, I'm not going to go along with this. Joel 2.17, let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? 1 Samuel 2.25, if one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? If the leaders and the people would gather together with prayers of true repentance and genuine renewal, the horrible events that God was threatening them with might be averted, and it's no different now. Peace, peace, when sudden destruction comes upon them. We need leaders that will call to repentance. We need leaders that will stand in the gap, that will get on their faces, get on their knees, get under their prayer shawls, come into the private place with God and intercede for a church and a nation. Spare your people, Lord. That's what they did. They assembled at the temple, the religious leaders and all the people, to do the only thing possible in such a desperate situation was to seek the mercy and compassion of God, to appeal to the Father's heart. That's where we are right now. At least we should be. Lord, please, no more. No more. They're hacking babies in the womb. They're delivering them part of the way and sticking scissors in their necks. And we support it. We fund it. We have leaders that snicker and laugh as they sign it into law. And then they tell churches they can't gather because of a virus. When they're stricken with a virus of sin and debauchery. When do the religious leaders say enough? When do they risk their 501c3 status and say enough? When do they put their fingers in the faces of politicians and phony preachers and say enough? First Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. The New Testament teaches that intercession is expected of all believers. Intercession for the sick 
James 5.14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of Adonai, in the name of the Lord. See, this path, the eternal paths, are about intercession, are about saving people. They're about like what I talk about with SRT, going into the darkness and grabbing the lamb out of the lion's mouth by the lion's beard. That's done for love. That's done out of compassion. Standing in the gap, shutting things down, being the sheepdog of the great shepherd, it's because we're interceding for the worthless shepherds. We're doing their job for the sake of the flock, for the glory of the great shepherd. These eternal paths that he's called us to walk on, we know that they're narrow. Maybe we have to walk single file. Maybe we can just walk two by two beside each other, but we have to walk it. And when you hear that cry out there, when you hear that cry of that lamb that's lost, somebody's got to run. The example of the Lord was intercession even when the enemy had petitioned to do something and was going to be allowed to do it. Luke 22, starting with verse 1, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And the Lord said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Hasatan, the accuser of the brethren, the adversary of God's people and all things of God, was petitioning to sift Peter like wheat, which is sifted through a sieve to separate the grain from the chaff, that threshing grain trodden by the animals and then thrown into the air by forks. He knew that he had an opening in Peter, Peter's pride, Peter's unwillingness to submit. And the Lord didn't say, oh, I'll stop it. It won't happen to you. He said, I prayed for you that your strength should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren, which meant he was going to run. That's our example. When you look at somebody lost, when you look at somebody stolen, when you look at how the enemy has blinded them and taken over their mind. Yes, you can be disappointed. Yes, you can be even angry, but you have to intercede. You have to stand in the gap. You have to say, no, I'm going to fight you for this one. Romans eight, twenty-six and 27. Likewise, the Spirit 
also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, you're not going to walk the eternal path. You're not going to do anything I've said for 17 weeks without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're just not. Because intercession is performed by the Holy Spirit and by the Lord through us. What I read to you in Romans eight twenty six and 27 reveals that the Holy Spirit is the one who works to sustain the burdened believer, who's interceding, who's carrying on even with prayers that, that are inexpressible in natural words, that come in groanings, that come in a, a heavenly language to the throne of God. I know when I was lost and demon-possessed, that's what was happening. The Lord told me that there were people praying who didn't even know who they were praying for. And it took a while. It took some effort. See, that's what the Holy Spirit's there for. He sent him back to teach us and to walk with us and to comfort us. When the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me. John fifteen twenty six Amplified Version. The comforter, the parakletos, the one who's been called to walk alongside of you like the you're running a race, you're jogging, and he's running alongside with the cups of water and the cups of the uh, Gatorade or whatever it is, and he's cheering you on saying, keep going, don't quit, get up, get up, keep going. See, that's what the Lord did. He sent us from the Father a helper that he would abide with us forever, take permanent residence in us. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but we know him, for he dwells with us and is in us. That's John 14, 16 and 17. That's the Lord's word. That's red letter basic. Stop looking for an external manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He's inside of you. You need to live this inside out. Somebody posted a, a, a song that I won't say what it was. And, you know, uh, the anointing of God and all the, the, all the buzzwords go with it. And I'm listening to the song and I'm thinking you're, you're singing about an external presence of God. You're singing from an Old Testament perspective. And I just said out loud, Lord, how come they don't get it? And he simply said, because they're not taught. The Spirit inside of us brings direction. It brings correction. It walks with us on the paths, the eternal paths. And it guides us. It guides our steps. And unfortunately, the rebellious nature in man resists the things of God.
Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He intercedes for us at the throne of grace. He, he, he completes the deliverance that began through salvation and in the process of sanctification is then accomplished so that when the time comes that we get to leave this world and get out of this broken body, whether through dying or flying, that we would become complete. If we're going to walk the right path, we're going to walk the eternal path, you can only walk it with trust in the Lord and in his Holy Spirit because men can and will fail us. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 is like the cry of Jeremiah from, the, from Paul, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pangs on a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. That's a book to the church, and he's speaking about the, the leaders, and he's speaking to the men of the day, peace, peace and safety. Oh, don't, well, don't listen to guys like Richard. Don't listen to him talking about the darkness and the doom and Satan and all these things. Grace, grace, all is grace. You're good. God's, God's got it all. You don't have to do anything. The earth is his and the fullness thereof, but they forget to tell you who the God of this world is until the Lord comes and takes it back. They don't want to tell you about that. That doesn't fill the tithe box. That doesn't increase the offering. Ticking, tickling people's ears and tell them it's going to be okay without telling them what it's going to take to be okay. And that sudden destruction is unexpected. It's unawares. I believe we're in a season of that. Luke twenty-one thirty-four. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, that the day come upon you unexpectedly. Speaking to believers weighed down by gluttony and excess, and that may be spiritual gluttony and spiritual excess. That may be worldly things. That may be sinful things. That may be financial things. Anything that takes your eyes off of God and off of his will and fit into that category. And remember, during the time of, of the prophet Jeremiah, he was speaking and the Lord was saying, for what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me, says the Lord. The reason he was rejecting the rituals, the Sabbaths, the new moons, all the forms of outward worship is that they were being substituted for personal holiness, righteousness, and morality. See, people that get caught up in the law, people that get caught up in religion, they want the external manifestations of it, but they don't want to deal with what's going on inside. They need the show. They need you to look at them and go, wow. That's really a holy person. That's a spiritual person. Look at the size of those fringes. Oh my goodness, look how they're dressed. But then you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. 
You don't know how they treat their wives or their children. You don't know what really happens when nobody but the Lord and the Holy Spirit is looking. Isaiah 1, verses 13 and 14, Bring no more futile sacrifices, incenses, and abomination to me, the new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me, and I am weary of bearing them. The Lord hates religious activity. He detests it. He wants nothing to do with it. But you know what he wants? He wants people that with a real heart and a real mind, real conviction, real contriteness, real humility, that's what he wants. 1 Samuel 5, 15, 1 Samuel 15, rather, 22 So Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. He wants us to be clean from the inside out. He wants us to be just and righteous. He wants us to rebuke the oppressor, to defend the fatherless, to plead for the widow. Tells me that Isaiah 1, 17. He goes on in 18 to say, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He's looking for relationship. You see, because he's walking on this path with you. If the Holy Spirit's with you, he's with you. Understand that the Spirit is connected to the throne, to the throne room. So if the Spirit's with you, the Lord is with you. He's walking this path with you. He's enjoying the view with you. He's going through the tribulations with you. What will it take for us as his children to wake up? What will it take? I don't I don't know. I'm asking a question that I have no answer for. I'm astounded at what we permit and allow in this country. I'm astounded at what the church stays silent about. I'm astounded at church leaders that promote politicians are the most that are the most debased, vile murderers of babies and 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 things of God. Yet they vote for them and promote them from the pulpit. I, I know some of them, and I look at them and I realize you must never have been born again because there's no conviction in you that you would support such a person. And that's just politics. What about business? What about the schemes that go on in the boardrooms and in the financial meetings? What about the rejection of needs of widows or people that are about to be evicted? Well, we've helped them out a couple more times. We, we can't help them out anymore. 
I've sat in those meetings. I've walked out of those meetings angry or been asked to leave. Thankfully, I don't sit in them anymore. I've been rejected. We've gone through times of when we first got to Orlando, and we were at a church that was raking in the big bucks. Of course, they were hoarding it to build a edifice to the pastor's ego. They'd helped us out once, and then a second time came, and they just looked at it and said, well, you know, we helped out last time. We can't help you out this time. Thankfully, one of the leaders happened to be standing nearby and heard. And then the doorbell rang the next day. And the group of people that we were in the home cell of that particular church had gotten together and filled bags full of food, bags full of money. And they helped us get through that time. Because that's what the Spirit of the Lord does. What will it take? This enemy that he warned Jeremiah about, this enemy that the prophets of old warned Israel about, it's coming. It's ruthless. It's inhuman. Whether they were the Babylonians or the Assyrians, they were just a picture of what was coming. They would impale their victims and hang them on the walls of the towns, cutting off their hands and their heads and lying them in heaps. Oh, I know that's a horrible image. When Herod killed all those babies under the age of two, trying to get to the Lord, I can't even imagine the horror of it. But during those times, during times like we're going through now, we're called to walk in a path of truth, to walk in a path of peace, to walk in a path of righteousness, the eternal path where the good way is, to live to a standard of truth, to live to a a character of righteousness and, and uprightness. That's what we're called to. Uphold my steps in your path, Lord, that my footsteps may not slip. I've called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. That was David's cry in Psalm 17, verses 5 and 8. I believe that's a great way to kick off the fact that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup 
runs over, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And of course, that's Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. Father, we come to you now and we ask you through your Holy Spirit, if we're if we're off the path or leaning off to the edge, push us back in the center. Touch us right now. Give us words of encouragement. Help us to cry out to you. Help us to pray with groanings that cannot be uttered for those that are lost or have been deceived or been stolen. Help us to cry out for this nation and for the church, for your children. Help us to do what you've called us to do in these times. Lord, you've said, Who, whom shall I send? And, and I've said it. My brother Larry has said it and others have said it. We said, Lord, send me. Lord, send us. There are people that are lost. They need a path. They need to know where it is. I cry out right now, Lord, for you to touch your children, to touch us, to hear our prayers, Lord. And I do this with the total confidence that you've heard, that we believe and we receive. And if you agree with me, just say amen. We'll pick this up next time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn. Learn smarter. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.